0: Welcome to day four of our look through Colossians chapter one in daily drive time devotions. As we take a look beginning today at Colossians 1 verse 13, we're going to be focusing on Jesus in first place, who Jesus really is, the person of Jesus. And I want to focus in a personal way on how you and I can live with Jesus Christ in first place in our daily lives. Listen to what Colossians chapter one verses 13 to 14 have to say about Jesus. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us. Into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. As you and I begin to talk about what it means to live with Jesus in first place in our lives, I want to suggest to you some things that these verses challenge us to do. First of all, if I'm going to live with him in first place today, not just as an idea, but as a reality, I've got to thank him for my salvation today. I have redemption in him. I have the forgiveness of sins. In fact, notice the words that are in just these few verses about what has happened to us because of Jesus. He delivered us from the dominion of darkness. That's like calling 911. He came and rescued us from the worst of places to put us in the best of places. He brought us out. He translated us. The idea there is, a, is of a deportation of, from one country to another. He took us out of enemy territory and put us back where we belong, put us back at home. He redeemed us, that means we're set free, and then he forgave us. Delivered, translated, redeemed, forgiven. We could spend hours talking about any one of those words. They are words to thank him for. You want to live with Jesus in first place? Thank him for your salvation. Second thing you and I need to do is believe the truth about him. We began that at the end of the last uh, few verses we read. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And then continuing on in verse 16, You want to put Jesus in first place today? Believe this truth about him. The Colossians were living with this false teaching that was being taught in their church, in their city, that threatened this view of who Jesus really is. Gnosticism attacked Jesus. The idea was that all matter was evil. Everything in this world was evil. So God couldn't possibly touch this world. So the idea that Jesus had come in human flesh to this world, it couldn't possibly be true. And they had a lot of ideas about what Jesus really was and how he really didn't touch this world. But that's not the Jesus that you read about in the Gospels. And Paul writes to say, here's the truth about Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God. Now, Gnosticism is what threatened the view of the people in Paul's day about who Jesus really is. The question as we talk about these verses is, what is it that threatens your view? What is it that causes you to think of Jesus as less than who he really is? You see, a false teaching about Jesus most often doesn't deny Jesus. It simply dethrones Jesus, makes him less. It it doesn't take away his prominence. It might just take away his preeminence, that he is first. A false teaching about Jesus is willing to still say he's a way to God, but it's not willing to say he is the way to God. What is it that threatens your view about who Jesus really is? What do these verses say is the truth about Jesus? (laughs) He is God. He's the image of the invisible God. You want to see what God looks like? Well, nobody's going to see the exact physical image of God because the Bible says no one's ever seen him in any time. But the idea of who God is in his person, you see it in Jesus Christ. He isn't some disembodied spirit walking around in Jesus. He is Jesus Christ walking this world, showing us what God is really like. And that word image there doesn't mean a copy. It means he is the real thing. That's the idea of the word image that Paul uses here. He is God. He is firstborn. Now, what does firstborn mean? Because Jesus wasn't born. He's been from forever. He's always existed and always will exist. Well, the idea of firstborn in both Old Testament and New Testament has the idea of supremacy. So when the Bible talks about Jesus being firstborn, it's not saying he was a a birth child of God. It's saying he gets all the inheritance rights before God. Firstborn was the idea of someone who got all the rights, and Jesus has them all. He is God. He is firstborn. He is creator. Everything was created in the loving hands of Jesus Christ. Everything that you see every day, even you yourself, we are a creation of God. And Jesus, again and again in the Bible, is attributed as this one who is the creator. In fact, both Father, all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are said to be creators. Jesus is the creator. He is also the owner. All things were created by him and for him. He is the owner. When I recognize that God's the owner, that Jesus is the owner, that stops me from living as the selfish owner, and it helps me to begin living as a loving steward. A Dutch theologian once wrote about this. When Jesus looks at his universe from his exalted throne at the right hand of the Father, and he sees the great galaxies whirling in space, the planets and the people upon the planet, and all the minute details of life here, including the details of our individual lives, there is nothing that he sees anywhere of which he cannot say mine. It's all his. Not selfishly his, because he's God. He's not selfish. But wonderfully his, because he's the creator and he is the owner. He is also the sustainer. In him, all things hold together. Everything holds together in him. Everything is sustained in him. God holds every atom in this universe together. When you talk to physicists about this and look at what they look at in the depths of electron microscopes, They can see the tiniest particles, smaller than electrons, but they realize that even behind that, there is some force, some energy that's holding those particles together. What is that? All the physicists may disagree about this. The Bible tells us that it is God. God holds it all together every moment of every day. He's the sustainer. Who is Jesus? He is also the head of the body. When it comes to the church, Jesus Christ is our leader and guide. We serve each other. We sometimes may be in leadership positions where we help each other to serve, but all in all, Jesus is our leader. Jesus is our head, and without Jesus as the head of the body, we're like a a chicken with its head cut off. might be a lot of energy, a lot of activity, but there's no life. Jesus is the head of the body. In fact, to go on, he is the beginning of the church. He started it all. He's both originator and operator of the church. He's both beginner and builder of the church. And these verses also say that he is the first resurrected. The promise of your resurrection, my resurrection, is in his resurrection. Who is Jesus Christ? He is God in human flesh. Who is Jesus Christ? He's the one who loved you enough to die on the cross for you. And when I recognize this truth about who Jesus really is, it changes my priorities. In fact, that's how you know. That's how you know you've recognized this truth, not just given lip service to it. You know you've recognized this truth about who Jesus is when it starts to rearrange the priorities of your life, your family, your business, everything about you. You want to live out the fact that Jesus Christ is in first place? You've got to live out a thankfulness for your salvation every day. You got to live out this recognition of the truth of who Jesus is. And then there's a third thing. You also have to trust him for your future. The Bible says this in Colossians 1, 19 to 23. Established and firm, not moved from the hope held out for you in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Paul uses three striking words here to describe our condition prior to the cross alienated, enemies in our mind, doing evil deeds. And then he uses three words to express our condition after the cross holy, without blemish free from accusation. Wow, that that is what only Jesus Christ can do. So I can trust him for my future. Oh, you can trust yourself and uh, maybe even build a nice future for yourself in this world. Maybe not, it might fall apart. But even if you build a nice future for yourself in the 60, 70, 80, 90 years that you live on this planet, that's not your future. Your future goes all the way into eternity. Who are you trusting for that future? Are you trusting yourself? The good works that you've done? Well, then you just have the first three words, alienated, enemies in mind, doing evil deeds. That's how God sees us before we come to Christ. It's only in Christ that we become holy without blemish and free from accusation. Now, I know in human terms, we look at ourselves and we see some people are better than others. But we don't look in human terms, not at salvation. God looks at us in his terms and he says, I need you to be holy to relate to me. I need you to be without blemish and I can do that for you by applying what Jesus did on the cross to your life. That forgiveness is now your forgiveness in your daily life. That's what only Jesus Christ can do. We've talked today about three words that enable you and I to give Jesus rightful place, first place in our daily lives and we have gone quickly through this incredible passage of scripture. I encourage you to go back and read through this again about who Jesus really is. But as we end I want to pray back to God those three words. Lord, we come to you with these three words, thanks and truth and trust. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you that we have new life in you. And Lord, we are grateful for the truth. And we pray that we could live out the truth of who you are. You are God. You do hold everything together. You are a creator. You do know things that we do not know. Help us to live on that truth. And God, we trust. We trust you for our future, not ourselves. Faith, hope, and love. You're where our hope is. You're where we find faith. You're you're the only one that can create genuine love in our lives. We trust you for that. Jesus Christ, you are Lord. And we thank you for the truth that you are Lord. We trust in the truth that you are Lord. In your name, amen.